0: Young adults are making their wishes known for end-of-life care. You are listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. Barbara Boyer with the Pediatric Palliative Care Initiative at the Center for Practical Bioethics in Kansas City, Missouri. Dr. Boyer, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: Tell us about the Center for Practical Bioethics.
1: Well, interestingly, it originally was called Midwest Bioethics. It was started in 1984, and now, about five years ago, they changed their name to the Center for Practical Bioethics because they realized that their focus was on practical solutions for issues. The vision of the center is to have a society in which the dignity and health of all people are advanced through ethical discourse and action. Really, its core value is respect for human dignity and health and health care. And the mission of the center is to raise and respond to ethical issues in health and health care. The center is really known for its work on aging and end-of-life issues, such as what we'll be discussing today. It also provides practical resources for addressing real-life ethical issues both in clinical and organizational settings. They also try to advance life science research and also have discussions about disparities in healthcare care. So it's a very well-rounded, broad, center with its focus on the real people of the world today.
0: What led to your interest in end-of-life issues for young adults?
1: I am actually a retired anesthesiologist. Uh, I stopped my clinical practice just at the beginning of 2000. My husband and I, my husband is a family practitioner. We have been supporters of the Bioethics Center for many, many years. And when I retired from my clinical practice, I met with Myra Christopher who is the CEO of the Bioethics Center. And she gave me a list of about eight different things the center was involved in and asked what I would maybe be interested in doing. At the very end of the discussion, she said, well, we are going to start this really big, long project on pediatric palliative care. And I said, that's what I want to do. I love children. I picked anesthesia as my specialty because I could work with children. And I realized that I wanted to be able to continue working with children indirectly, not in a clinical setting, but in some way enhancing their care. And so I realized if I came in this project, I could still use my physician training and do something to help young people.
0: Tell us a little bit more about the Pediatric Palliative Care Program at the center.
1: We started in 2002, we responded to the Institute of Medicine published a report entitled When Children Die, and they set out a series of questions and challenges for different healthcare settings to respond to, and the center chose to answer that call to, well, actually to establish centers of excellence in the United States for pediatric palliative care. We formed a coalition of numerous people. Numerous healthcare individuals throughout the community that came together over a three year period and just ended up coming up with four platforms, one of which, the final one, was to develop an end of life document for young people.
0: Describe the Caring Conversations for Young Adults document, which I'm guessing is the one you just referred to.
1: Well, this Caring Conversations for Young Adults, the goal, it was to provide a starting point for young adults. Along with their families to talk about things like organ donation, serious illnesses, or life threatening problems, or do not resuscitate orders, etc. Our document has 19 questions, covers many subjects that really anyone would like to talk or would be encouraged to talk about, but particularly geared toward young adults. Our goal is for them to think about these, possibly fill out the document, and absolutely discuss what they've thought about with parent or some other significant person in their life. Some examples of some things that are in the document, things like thinking about the last day of your life and how you might like that day to look, Oh, who you would want to be with if it was your last day, what you might want to say. There's a question about oh, talking and recognizing that death is scary and talking about fears that you might have about death. There are items that give specific scenarios at the end of life that might occur and encourage you to discuss what you would want in those specific situations. Maybe what you would like if you would have a memorial service or a funeral, things like do you want special music, a balloon release, would you want your family to give donations to a specific charity in your honor, those kinds of things. You can fill this document out online, and later on we'll talk about the specifics of that and download it. But most importantly, we really want you to know the goal is the discussion with your family. In this document, really we encourage young people to consider things like their family's beliefs, their traditions, their culture, their customs, Those kinds of things are focused on in
0: this document. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me is Dr. Barbara Boyer with the Pediatric Palliative Care Initiative at the Center for Practical Bioethics in Kansas City, Missouri, discussing advanced care planning for young adults. Dr. Boyer, what age group is the document? targeted at?
1: It is targeted to 16 to 25-year-olds. And we spent a lot of time discussing what age range we wanted to target, and we picked these for some very specific reasons. 16 is when, at least in Kansas and Missouri, most young people get their driver's license. And at that point, when they're getting the license, they are asked, do you want to be an organ donor? So we know that Everyone who's getting a driver's license is going to be thinking about this issue. When you're around 18 years of age, we realize most young people are starting on a new phase of life. They're either starting a full-time job or heading off to college or possibly serving in the military, but they're making a life transition usually at that stage. And we kind of closed with the age of 25 because most most young people by that time, they've finished college, or possibly graduate school. Many people at that age are starting to have their own families. So it was kind of just a good age, a time when we realized we would be harder to reach them through, you know, like schools, etc. So that was the age that we picked.
0: Tell us about Allison Fry.
1: Allison, this is really a great story. Allison's a 21-year-old who attends William Jewell College in Liberty, Missouri. And she was involved at the center and when we were doing this project and shared her story. She lost her mother a few years back, and at that time, she and her father and the mother had had no conversations in their lives about end of life and what the mother would have wanted at that time, and it was very, very stressful for the family. Two years after her mother died, Allison's father found out that he had cancer and then died. And in the process, well, between the time that her mother and father had died, she had heard a lecture from the Center for Practical Bioethics that talked about end of life and talked about advanced directives. And so she felt because of this conversation and this lecture, she felt like she really should talk to her father about advanced directives. And wanted to make sure that she didn't have to go through the same thing since she would be the one in charge at the time of her father's death. She wanted to know and be comfortable with what his wishes were. So they had Allison. She was declared the durable power of attorney for her father's health care decisions, and she was able to make the end-of-life health care decisions for her dad in what she described as a very peaceful way because she and her father had discussed this, And they knew what he wanted. And she realized after that, she said, I hope everyone else can have that positive experience. I know the difference between when my mother died and when my father died.
0: What feedback are you receiving from parents about this document?
1: Interestingly from parents, they don't want to talk about this issue. Parents never want to think my child might die. I think we are making progress in changing this mindset in helping people recognize that we do need to change how we feel about it and we do need to have these conversations. Actually, young people are a lot more willing to talk about it than the parents. And I think the other thing that I need to point out is the whole Terry Schiavo case really, really emphasized to our society why we need to have these conversations. If we don't have the conversations, we get into difficult situations. So I think when we bring up that particular issue – More parents are willing to say, you know, I I do need to have this conversation, and I would be willing to do it.
0: What feedback have you received from physicians? This
1: document is actually in its very infant stage. We just published it and put it online. We presented it in grand rounds at the University of Kansas to the pediatric or the pediatrician grand rounds there, and we're in the process of presenting it to more physicians. I think that our goal for physicians is ultimately to have them incorporated into their everyday practice, kind of like, well, now you talk about seatbelts to kids, you talk about wearing bicycle helmets, hopefully you have sex and alcohol discussions, and we hope that ultimately physicians will be able to have this is one more document, kind of an optimal time for a physician to bring this document into it. their regular healthcare practice would be when a child is getting ready to make a major transition, like at age 18, going to college, going into the military, et cetera. It's a perfect venue and opportunity to talk about our particular document, carrying Conversations, and included in that would maybe be Durable Power of Attorney, et cetera.
0: Does the center offer advice on how to have those conversations?
1: There's always a person available to talk to. I think the document itself is very helpful. I mean, that's the goal, is to lead people into these discussions. The center is always willing to facilitate that, and if we need to, we can have focus groups, etc. We don't have a specific targeted program just for having the discussion other than the document itself, which I think lends itself well to having conversation.
0: How does this document dovetail with advanced directive documents legal in each state? I think it's a
1: great, great start. We decided that because we're, we have... 16 year olds targeted, which are minors, it would be too complicated to have a durable power of attorney document or something, a legal document attached to ours specifically. We didn't want to get into that legal situation and having parents contact us, what if you told our child to do, et cetera? But we do have at the end of our document places to contact, like the website, the website for the bioethics center to look up Durable Power of Attorney documents and possibly fill them out, www.practicalbioethics.org.
0: Dr. Boyer, thank you so much for joining us to discuss advanced care planning for young adults. Thanks. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions at ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of the ReachMD library. Thank you for listening.